When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom... Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode 226 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. And Jamie Eisner. The Natty Hattie. What's going on, gentlemen? <laughs> there, there goes all the energy. It, it like rained or something. It's interesting. I'm Luke Lipinski, too. I should, I should probably put my name up. They know who you are. Hey, there's a duck over there. There is a duck. It's the original duck, too. It's yeah. Jackie. Look at him. Jackie's back. He's Jackie's not as loud as the other ducks. But uh, having it's just more, moved. More profound. I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> so can our That's, listeners who did not hear anything Craig says during the open for the 200th consecutive week. Yeah, Craig, uh, even through the mic check. This is the best part about your mic check. When I when I say mic check, you talk very loudly. And then when the show starts, you whisper. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with the Maple Leafs. Who we are a hockey show, so why not? Fired Mike Babcock uh, yesterday. Flew him all the way out to Austin Matthews' hometown just mm-hmm. to fire him. Possibly at the rink where Austin Matthews screw up, but maybe they let Austin Matthews fire him. I, I just like the idea of they fired him on a rainy day, and like he's probably looking at it outside of his hotel room, like with his hand on the glass as the rain is falling down, and it's just then like there's like Celine Dion or something playing in the background as he's just Jamie contemplating just his future. Rain, by the way, yeah, he did, yeah. and Celine Dion. Jamie had a different reaction to the firing than anybody else on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so now the Maple Leafs. Have a new coach. We've seen this work mid-season in the NHL on a number of occasions. If you have a supremely talented team that is not doing what it should do. I mean, they've lost six in a row as we record this. For whatever reason, this seems to work. Even if the coach isn't that great, it seems to work for a while during the season. (laughs) Just throw a guy back there. Why not? Um, What do you think this does for Toronto? I don't know. Okay. Craig, it, it, it's weird because I, I've had a couple people uh, ask me this. Said, I feel like Craig is boycotting the show. Even he though he's on the show. He has been for a while. Actually, okay, he just true. he just shows up and brings coffee, which is fine. That's yeah, for me, it's the best boycott ever. It's hard to say they are going to find a better coach, but they're playing terribly this year. Yeah, especially given their talent level. And there's again, there's a 
there's New York Yankee syndrome in Toronto. I keep bringing this up. You don't have time to be patient. There is no patience. If you, I mean, if you remember when the Yankees were going to fire Aaron Boone after he went nine and nine in his first eighteen games, like this is this is what you deal with when you're in a, when a market like this and mm-hmm. they have a five year window. They do Austin Matthews at least. There's something needed to change. But they're not going to find a better coach for the rest of the years. But we, we have seen teams do this where they fire their coach and they go on the runs. You can you can speak heavily to this, Luke. But I just it, it's tough for me. It, it was inevitable. It was going to happen. If it didn't happen now, it was going to happen at the end of the season. But they're not going to maybe this sparks them, but they're not going to have a better option behind the bench for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, I can't speak to it because Pittsburgh's done it twice in the last 10 years where they fired a coach midseason and then won the Cup. And there's similarities between Toronto and one of those Pittsburgh teams in the sense that Toronto doesn't really play any defense. Um, and they have a ton of offense. I mean, they have a ton of... They might be the most talented team in the league offensively, with the exception of Tampa. I, they're right there with Tampa. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, they might, I might even put them ahead of Tampa when, when everybody's healthy and they have Marner and Tavares and Matthews. But they're not the most talented team top to bottom. And they're not a team right now at all. What do you do if you're Sheldon Keefe here? What, in terms of structurally, what changes do you want to make to get this team back on the the winning road? Uh, I, again, they don't defend well. That's going to be a problem in the playoffs, even in late in the season. That's something that they have to shore up. But do you do you do you do something akin to what the Blackhawks were doing during that five game stretch where they were winning? Just say screw it. Yeah, where you just let your forwards jump, you let Tyson Berry jump into the rush more than he has been doing here. That, that didn't work I mean, against Vegas. No. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you do. Or, or is it simply a new voice in the room is enough to get these guys to start playing better? I, I think that's the hope. right? I mean, because you don't need more talent on this team. You just need your talent to play to the level and play a consistent game. Look, the blue line isn't good, but there's talent on it. And that talent looks terrible right now. And we've talked about Tyson Berry for most of the season. Of I don't know what happened to the guy in the transfer from Denver to Toronto. Like, a, like some currency exchange or something where yeah. he, lost, he lost half his value when he went to Canada. But Currency jokes by Jamie Eisner. <laughs> but, I mean, it, all they need to do is to play up to their talent level. That's all they need to do. And if they do that, they're probably the second or worst third best team in hockey. Is this a condemnation of Mike Babcock for failing to find a way to reach his players, to get through to his players? Is this a condemnation of the players for not figuring it out when they have all this talent? Is it a combination of both? I I don't know where the truth lies here. Obviously, we were not in the locker room. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I'm not in the locker room, so anything I say about the Maple Leafs is going to be speculation, and hopefully it's better than the way... People that aren't here speculate about the Coyotes, but I, I know in Toronto the feeling is Mike Babcock failed the Maple Leafs, and he's stubborn and he won't do things the way that they need to do it. But I tell you, from just from an outside perspective, it sure seems like there's a lot of individuals on that team that are very caught up in their own individual stats. And I thought Alex Ovechkin really summarized it pretty well a few weeks ago when they were playing Washington, and so everybody asked him about what it's going to take for Toronto to win the Cup, and he gave him an answer, and he gave them an answer from his own personal experience because he used to be one of those guys that was just really talented but didn't play defense and he never won the Cup. And it just feels like... It doesn't necessarily feel like the players quit on Babcock, but they certainly weren't going the extra mile to save his job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. This team should never lose six games in a row. That's a joke. Not with this much talent. No. And look, that was, you could argue from, and again, you don't know, we're not in that locker room and we're not inside these players' heads, but there was that built-in excuse all off season and this season that if they get off to a slow start, if things go bad, if they're struggling, that they'll just fire Babcock. Yeah, and you well, hear Well, now it, they right? did. 
you hear it all the time in Toronto, like Babcock's the problem. So as a player, you probably feel like, yeah, we're not going to win with him anyway. So it, it, nothing's going to happen until he gets fired. Well, now he's fired. Now what are you going to do if you struggle? You have to look internally. There's way too much talent on this team. Yeah. Way too much for them to be like look, this. Look, there's this narrative out there that, oh, remember where Toronto was a few years ago when Mike Babcock came in? They were an awful team, and he built them into, you know, a team that had back-to-back 100-point seasons. Well, they, they drafted a lot of talent, too, yeah. so that kind of helped as well. So I'm not yeah. sure I completely buy that. But Mike Babcock obviously had a pretty good resume coming into Toronto. He's done. He knows what he's doing behind the bench, so... There's a combination of factors here, I think, that that led to this, led to his demise. But the next guy, he's got his work cut out for him. And we know the relationship with Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe. This is probably his hand-groomed guy anyway. He was going to move in there. Maybe a younger guy can relate to these guys and get them to play. But at some point, they're still going to have to play. They're still going to have to do some of the things that Mike Babcock wanted them to do in the first place in order to succeed, in order to win a cup. I mean, and they absolutely are. But that's tough, right? Yeah. I mean, it's because if you say, what would you do to this team? You don't have to do a ton. You just have to get these guys to play up to their talent level. Like, you still, like, again, they they finally got CC off that top line, which was nice. I mean, they've needed to do that for a while. But, I mean, they have some pieces here. Like, this blue line's not terrible on paper, they're just terrible on the ice. Also, that entire blue line is a free agent this offseason, except Morgan Riley. So when you, when you look at, at their uh, at, at this being their window, it, it kind of is their window. Not that that defense is great as it is, but as bad as Tyson Berry has been this year, I'm expecting he's going to make more than $2.7 million a year next year. Um, you're going to lose Jake Muzzin, who I think is decent at least. You're only going to have Morgan Riley. It, it's... Craig's right. Like you, you can sit there and, and if this is what's going on, if the young players just look at Mike Babcock and they're like, I don't want to play that way. Look how talented I am. Look how many points I put up. That's fine. You'll never win the cup. At a certain point, you're going to have to do some of the stuff he said. I don't necessarily disagree that it was probably time for him to go at some point. I mean, you knew it was happening once they once the game against Pittsburgh on Saturday. Pittsburgh was barely trying and was up six to two at one point. Yeah, and Pittsburgh looked. You know how you'll see it sometimes in a game where a player will look around and just kind of be like, "I can't believe it was that easy." Like that's what it was getting to be for Pittsburgh, who has their own issues, but not like Toronto. So we'll see. I don't love the timing for the Coyotes. I would have preferred they waited to do this <laughs> until like this weekend or something because you do typically see a team suddenly play harder and rally around the new coach. Yeah. You know what's interesting? This game is not even close to a sellout, I've been told, which surprised me. It is surprising. I mean, it's a weeknight, but it's it's a Thursday, and it's the Maple Leafs. I thought that we would see a full building tonight. Maybe we still will with walk-up. I don't know. Well, I, I doubt I, it, actually. I, I mean, everyone's going to the Athletic Arizona meetup to shake your hand. Greg, yeah, I'm pretty so. sure like, there will be no Coyotes fans there because they'll all be at the game. <laughs> well, the Coyotes right now but that's another issue. seventh best record in hockey. Seventh most points? I mean, who would have thought coming into this game, and the Coyotes have played the Leafs pretty well over the last few years, even when Toronto's been good. Yeah, but who in Toronto last year. I remember that game. Yeah. But who would have thought coming into this game a quarter of the way into the season, the Coyotes would be significantly ahead of Toronto in the standings? Yeah. And that's not even a knock on the Coyotes. You just I... Certainly not anybody in Toronto. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but before we get off the lease for a second, do you think this is a warning shot, or do you think there are going to be major structural changes to the way they play this game? Because I, I tend to lean toward the former. That I think this is more of a warning shot. But I mean, I think they're going to start winning. Well, that they, they should because it, it's it's a situation. It's not like the NFL. Like none of these guys are going anywhere. You're not moving on from Matthews. You're not moving on from Tavares or Marner and those guys or Morgan Riley. They're signed for a thousand years or in, or five in Austin Matthews' case before he becomes Arizona. 
according to Craig Morgan. Somewhere between a five and one thousand years. <laughs> but like, what do you, what do you? It's a warning shot. But do these guys respond and rally around the new coach, or do they go, okay, well now I can open up my game even more because Babcock's not here. If they I guess do we don't respond know. with with minor tweaks to the system, does it also say that? Yeah, they they just didn't like the coach. We've heard those rumors. I don't know if those are true or not. Does it mean that they simply didn't like Mike Babcock? Well, it's one. It could easily be one of those things where they don't necessarily like Babcock, but they respect him. But the second things start to go bad, and you're losing three or four or five in a row, you're like, mm-hmm. I don't even like this guy anyway. They lock him out you know of the locker I mean? room. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not L.A., but yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's close. Um, I, I mean, I for one really enjoy the Leafs playing the way they've played because it just makes for such great theater as all of the media members in Toronto lose their minds. But I do think they're going to turn it around now. Maybe not today, but they're going to turn around now within the next couple of weeks. So what constitutes success for them this season? Because my, my concern is saying we all expect them to turn this around regardless because of the talent level that they have. Yeah, I think they would have even with Babcock. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So when they inevitably make the playoffs, I don't think that says, oh, well, this was Mike Babcock's fault and the new coach is coming in there and got him in the postseason. I think that's a ridiculous narrative considering how much talent that they have. Unless they change the way they play significantly. Sure. Or, or they beat Boston in the first round. <laughs> Uh, they, I would say they at least have to make the second round of the playoffs. I don't think those expectations change, right? Wasn't the thought if Babcock doesn't make it out of round one, he's getting fired? Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll keep Keith if he gets yeah, to the playoffs and Keith, lose. But, but, but it's it's a failure if they get to the first round of the playoffs and lose again. Well, absolutely it is. I think there, they consider it a failure anything less than winning the Cup. Imagine if they end up a wild card and still play Boston in the first round. That would be so funny. <laughs> the greatest thing. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, or play it, our, they'll play our new overlords, the New York Islanders. Will never lose another hockey game. Yeah, well, we'll get to them. Um, who would you pick? The I understand the Leafs are not in the, the playoffs right now, but if they were in the playoffs, who would you confidently take the Leafs over in a playoff series right now? I wouldn't take them over Boston. I don't think I'd take them over Washington. Um, well, Washington's got to figure out their goaltending situation, but yeah, Hope he's been better lately, though. Uh, nope. I, I, you don't think, see, I almost feel like they would. Nah, I don't know. Carolina, Florida, Montreal. Montreal's in a playoff spot. <laughs> wow. They just I don't expect that to last. Well, Tampa's not in a playoff spot right now either, right. are they? Yeah. So, I mean, Tampa and Toronto are going to come up and take two of these. Tampa's weird. Yeah, Tampa are going to come up and. Tampa's his own set of issues. They've only played 18 games, of course, but they're 9 7 and 2. They've. Yeah, they're sleepwalking. They won the nine games, two. lost nine games. Who's the next coach to get fired now? I don't know. And, and the question is, is, does this speed up? I mean, where does, does Babcock want to get right back into the game? Because if he does, that makes things interesting. Because how many teams would fire their coach right now if they got Mike Babcock? Well, I just, I mean, I wouldn't fire John Cooper, but if Tampa starts to go into a slump and they fire, fire John, John Cooper, Cooper and, and hire Mike Babcock, that would be the most amazing storyline in the history of the world. And then Tampa plays Toronto yeah. in the first round. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see that uh, happening. Great. No, I don't think they would do it either. I'm rooting for that now. For theater. So future New Jersey Actively. Devils coach Mike Babcock? Is that where uh, we're going here? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, John Hines is definitely on the list. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, Detroit, they have a coach, don't they? They do. Okay. Just not much talent. Minnesota. Yeah. So you can go back to Detroit. <laughs> yeah, Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux is on the uh, list as well. He has been all season. Yeah. They've won a few games, including two over the Coyotes somehow. Yeah, it's like the Coyotes' kryptonite is the Minnesota Wild. Seriously. Um, all right, speaking of the Coyotes, they're on a stretch here where they play 7 of 8 against Pacific Division opponents. Yeah, after tonight, it's 7 of 7. Yeah, so just, just keep playing the right. Pacific Division. <laughs> just, it's, it's a real chance for them. Um, and I think at, it, it's funny, you know, a, a lot of coaches will say that you get a, a sense of your team's identity 20 games. I think it's a little deeper than that. 
we're going to hit about the 30-game mark, and they're going to have completed this slate of games against the Pacific Division. We're going to have a really good handle on where the Coyotes are going this season after this. Absolutely we are. And, and look, it's the team's been a little bit up and down lately. We're down is just Minnesota, apparently. But I still I still look at this team and I wonder if... I'm not, I'm not worried about the goaltending. I'm not worried about the defending. That stuff's... It's been unbelievable, and it's been unbelievable for almost two full years worth of hockey now. So, I mean, it's sustainable, but I still want to see some more non-Connor Garland secondary scoring on this team at some point. Like, I really want to see this team take a step forward in that area of their game. How about primary scoring from Bill Kessel and Clayton Keller? (laughs) Oliver Eggman-Larsen, for that matter. Derek Stepon. So non-Nick Schmaltz, non-Connor Garland scoring on this team. Their highest paid players are the guys that need to produce. I know Keller's contract hasn't kicked in yet. It will kick in next year, but... Those four guys I just mentioned, as of next season, will be their four highest paid players. Do you think he feels more pressure next year when that contract does kick in? Like, even if it's not internally, if it's externally, if he if he cannot generate the internal pressure, do you think? Because right now people could still look and say, okay, he's basically he's making his entry level deal, but when he's making seven plus million dollars a year and not generating chances, and we've seen Oliver Ekman Larson take a lot of heat over the last couple of years for not generating offense. I honestly believe that's a lot of what it is if people aren't watching. He's a defenseman. Clayton Keller's paid only to produce offense, and he doesn't do it. Or he hasn't done it in two years. I do think he's generating chances, but he's not producing. He's not getting the points. He's not getting the finish, and I think there's a lot more there. And I don't know whether next season will provide more pressure for him. You would hope. But hopefully he'll start feeling it right now. Well, again, they're winning without it. Yeah, and, which is amazing, right? And it is weird when you start to look deeper at the numbers, because the goaltending, like Jamie said, I, I mean, I just expect it at this point. I don't expect a shutout every night from each goalie, but maybe I should. But you do look at the offense, and you're like, this team is led in goals by Connor Garland. Who would have thought that 12 months ago, that this team would be fighting for first place in the Pacific Division, and Connor Garland would be their most consistent goal scorer? Because it's not like he has four in one game and a hat trick in another. It's pretty much a goal every other game, it feels like. Is he your MVP, by the way, other than Darcy Kemper? If you had to choose someone other than a goal, yeah, we talked about this on the show last night when you didn't invite Jamie. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry, that's Jamie. That's Jamie can't stay up that late. You weren't supposed to talk about that on the air I'm sorry. in front <laughs> of bad. Jamie. Um, yeah, I mean, he kind of has to be, doesn't he? I mean, he has the goals. Yeah. But, I mean, him or Nick Schmaltz. It's him or Schmaltz. I yeah. think yeah. I'd probably choose Nick Schmaltz. Yeah. Although, I think Carl Soderbergh's a dark horse for me, too. Yeah, he's, he does he's, so yeah. much. He's been. He's been way better than I thought he was going to be in the way they're using him. On a typical team, I maybe wouldn't say Garland, but just when you look at the the fact that Kessel has three goals and Keller has three real goals and an empty net goal, and, and you just you go through and there's not nobody's really producing actual goals the way Garland is. So and, and that's still a lot. I mean, we've talked about scoring and uh, scoring on the wing for what feels like ever. But that is going to be a problem for them at some point. And what, I mean, it's a problem now, but it's going to be a problem, and it's going to affect their ability to win games here at some point. And I, there's not an easy solution immediately in season. Like I don't, I think they're not going to go out and get Taylor Hall at the trade deadline or anything like that. But not. No, Ferranti, Ferranti. Wouldn't you Ferranti, give New Ferranti, Jersey Ferranti, your, your goalie? Yeah, just give but, New Jersey your goalie. Why well, would you need Taylor him? Hall? I might. If he resigns, <laughs> yeah. If you, if you, not, if not for a rental, right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he resigns, let's, we'll talk about that. But this, it, it it's got to be Keller too, and it's got to be Kessel. But there's got to be some other guys that step up as well. I mean, I mean, Dvorak's been good, but he's cooled off a little bit offensively in the last month. Yep. So I mean, 
again, you're not expect I'm not expecting Christian Duarte to be a 30 goal scorer by any means, but there's going to need to be a lot of guys in that 15 to 22 yeah, range. Yeah, to come up too. Yeah. He, he needs to start scoring. He needs to start shooting the puck. He has been a little more lately, but but yeah. it, I mean, what I mean, like Kessel shooting 5.3 percent right now. That's, that's that can't continue. I can't imagine that continues. Hinnestros at six percent. Uh, I just even OEL at four percent. I mean, yeah. it's, you're going to have a lower shooting percentage from the blue line, but still four percent. Derek Stepan hits the post. I feel like every other shot right now, and he's got he's scored his years. last two games, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For two years, for he's two years, he's hit the post, <laughs> especially the first half of the season. What do you do though? I mean, Kemper I wish track that stat, by the way. Posts hit? Yeah, yeah posts hit. Nobody tracks that? I don't know. No, I don't anyone? think so. I've never I seen, seen it. it. How does nobody track that? No, I would love to see that. No, I leads the league in posts hit. In ping percentage or something? I, yeah. Ping I, percentage is the perfect sponsored by ping. I feel like... Uh, God, I admire you. <laughs> I know. I think somebody uh, does track that, because I thought Tyler Sagan led the NHL last year. Well, if someone does, then... Where, where is that stat? So, so, TylerSagan.com. Uh-huh. If a listener would like to send us that, we'll give you a shout-out next week. Oh, send us a link on, the, that, on Twitter. Oh, at the Daddy shame. Hattie on Twitter. A shout-out that we'll forget to give you next week. You can't put a price on that. Um, the goaltending, though. I mean, to go back-to-back, first of all, to not start Kemper after a shutout. And then for Ronta to come in and get the shutout. And now... We'll probably go back to Kemper. Yeah. And, and I mean, Kemper, if shut they out. go... If he shuts out the Leafs, you give him the start. <laughs> yeah, I would do that, too. You're going to have to earn your next... Because, look, if you beat the Leafs and you get your next... If you shut out the Leafs and get your next start, then at least you don't have to face McDavid on Sunday. This is tough. Whoever starts Thursday is probably going to face McDavid and the Oilers on Sunday, too. And the other guy gets to face L.A., yeah. which is not the same. By the way... I think LA has completely given up on defense. Well, they want they had won three straight games coming in, but then you watched them in their own zone, and it it's, was oh wow, <laughs> it was it was a sight to behold. It was like one of those old video games where every player moves at the same speed and they all follow the puck. Yes, the Coyotes clearly realized about halfway through the first period if we just pass the puck around, all of the Kings will chase it in circles. What was that game? That vibrating game where all the pieces moved. You know what I'm talking about? Of course, is this no. even before your time? What is it called? I don't know what you're talking I don't about. I don't know what I'm talking about. That that hockey game where oh, the literally ho- the board vibrated and the pieces would move. There was an old football game like that, wasn't it? a hockey game, too, but oh. it was oh. awful. It was oh. just an awful game. That's not sound fun. Well, that's what Seriously, who designed like. that first in the first place and thought this is a good idea? What, it, it's completely random what happens on any play, right? Yeah. Clearly, the, vibrate. what yes. do the vibrations do now? The- <laughs> <laughs> like you can set up a play. It's just like watching Ottawa play hockey. The... Uh, <laughs> The, than, than you think that's Tampa what they're Bay? doing, actually? The entire ice yeah. service vibrates and they just move. <laughs> You guys just whatever. stand there and we will vibrate you towards the goal, hopefully, with the puck. Neil gets figured it out as Brady Kachuk. Uh, no, the bubble top hockey is the way to go. Why would they ever play any other version of... Yeah, okay. Bubble top hockey is great. Um, if you're talking, are you just kind of rotating for a while here until... I mean, right now, it's just every other game. Honestly, I think Corey Schwab... 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 <laughs> Is making this decision. He's okay. relying on him. He really does have a lot of faith in Corey's decision-making here on the goalies, and that's what's going on right now. They need both of these guys going. Dante yeah. Ranta needed he needed to feel good about his game because he had played well a couple times, and he'd had some tough breaks. So it was really good to see him get the shutout in that L.A. game <laughs> and wear that nasty pelt that he was complaining about. He's very happy about he, it. He was happy, but it, he also... Acknowledged how badly it smelled already. Yeah, and this we're only is a quarter way through the season. Right. It's yeah, early. Start losing some games just to get Sorry, that I thing lost washed. My train of thought and with this, smelly pelt. This is, but this is also the behind the scenes benefit of having both of these guys sign too. I mean, obviously they're competitors, and they all you know. If you ask them, they would say, "Yeah, I would like to start eighty-two games," and you know, wouldn't shut out everybody. But 
there's not a there's not a financial disincentive to there's not a guy sitting like well if I don't play I'm not I'm not going to get the money I'm owed or I'm not going to get my new next new contract it's there's none of that is there both guys get paid they're both signed long term and they're both playing extremely well just keep rolling. This is almost always sorts itself out. It can, almost can we always absolutely. does. Call the show financial disincentive. Can somebody remember that for when we when no. I'm did you just this? write it down? I no. tried, but this pen doesn't work. So no. now I'm just holding it for decorative purposes. Mm. Apparently, um, ability to fight Matthew Kachuk aside, if you if you're going into the playoffs, which one of these goalies do you think has more upside to just go on a run through the playoffs, or does one have more upside? Today I'm going with Kemper. Yes. Ask me again in April. Right. Okay. Exactly. Like, I, I just, That's my I, I exact get, answer. Yeah. Yeah. Ask me again in April because who's hot at the time? It's a fluid who's, season. Who's yes. healthy at the time? Yes. Yes. Like, yes. All that. Well, the season that Ranta had two years ago is still better somehow than anything Kemper has done. Although Kemper's numbers this year are starting to approach. I it. think his numbers now are slightly better than than Auntie's really numbers. Yeah. Which is crazy, but um, not as big a body of evidence. So we'll yeah. see how it plays out. Yeah, and he's been unreal. I mean, he really he, has. he has been the MVP. But and by the, by the way, you remember uh, maybe it was last year when he was racking up the penalty minutes, and he just he just sort of threw up his hands and didn't really understand. If you go back through his uh, stats, yeah. juniors and beyond, oh yeah, he had a few seasons where he racked them up, and he told me his last year of midgets. He had like 22 minutes in penalties. So, which you wouldn't think from a guy like Darcy Kemper, who's like the most Quietly, mild yeah. man. <laughs> Have you ever seen the serious stare on his face when, when he when he adopts that yeah. stare? It's a little scary. Well, whatever he's doing, he needs to keep doing it because he might win the Vezina Trophy he's a big this year. Dude. Is this going to be one of those situations where? Because Ranta gets so many starts, even if Kemper is by far the best goalie in the NHL, they give the Vezina to somebody else. I hope that has changed after last season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we saw what we saw, yeah. you don't. You apparently don't have to play fifty games anymore to win the Vezina. So, like Miko Koskinen's going to win the Vezina because he's on a Canadian team or something. I mean, the the numbers yeah. that they'll just say no. He well, plays Dave Co- Dave Tippett's defensive oh, yeah. oriented system, so mm-hmm. that's why he well, won. Speaking of defensive oriented systems, it might be former Coyotes great Thomas Grice that's <laughs> the Vezina favorite at the moment. He. Uh, well, Kemper, Kemper still has a better goals against and save percentage, which seems to be what they look at the most. But, uh, yeah, Grice, right now it's Kemper, Grice, and Rask. Yeah. And I guess Ben Bishop. And there's not really anybody else. Grice! The goalie, it's Just funny. the levels again. If you, yeah, you did. Look at that. Oh, yeah, you did. You it's, really it's spiced him there. Okay. Um, like, the three best goalie tandems in the NHL are what? The Coyotes, Bruins, Stars, Islanders? Islanders should be in the combo, too, yeah. Varlamov hasn't Whoever, been as great. Whoever's in the Islanders' goal, yes. Because um, the entire play is at the other end. The Islanders have yeah. you in with that four check. Yeah, that's. But it's it's those four teams, and then you look mm. around, and a lot of a lot of teams don't even have one good goalie, and yeah. three of those teams have two good goalies. I still don't know about Varlamov. Who do you mean specifically, Luke? That don't, don't have, have one, one good, good goalie. goalie. Oh, I can think of quite a few teams actually. I think you were texting about some of them the other night. Was I? You know, I got to say, Matt Murray, his numbers are not nearly as bad as I would have expected from yeah. watching him play. His stats and you watching him is just it's. Night and day. Because every time I watch Matt Murray, he is making great saves and then letting in 18,000 goals. Yeah. But somehow has like a 920 save percentage. If you're bored like during a commercial break of one of these games or something, just go through and look at the goalie stats around the NHL. There's like eight that are playing well this year. Everybody else has been pretty terrible. We also have to start to figure out what the new baseline is for league average goaltending, considering how much scoring has been up the last two years. Yeah. I think I see the average save percentage has dropped to like 908 now. Yeah, uh, it's we have to adjust our, our thinking a little bit. Uh, you know, so that 
you know, guys with nine ten save percentage are now like league average. Where we used to be like, eh, that's eh. Wait, wait, how they used to be? Eh, that's eh. Like, l- like, eh, that's eh. <laughs> Don't make me do it again. Um, Alex Stalock. There is he your league average goalie? He's he's at nine eleven. The Stalock line. Matt Murray's nine ten. From now on, Carey Price nine twelve. How did Carey Price get down there? Um, all right, Carey Price. Is that your segue to Montreal? Yeah. God, you're good at this. <laughs> I am. You really are. Thank you for pointing. Craig it out. Craig admires you. Um, Montreal's hanging around. Yeah, that's nice. Well, but I mean, yeah. they, fu- Jonathan like, Drouin. They're fine. He's out for a while. Yeah, he they're, is. they're like the fine team. Paul Byron, I, I do feel like they are just, they're fine. It, it, this they're was, not doing anything. Th- they've won as many games as they've lost or yeah. lost as many games as they've won. However you want to look It just looks a little sexy and because of the extra point you get for getting I, to overtime. I'm going to blatantly rip this off from Bill Simmons, but he has a thing that they used to do in the NFL. He would call them the good-bad team. Mm-hmm. That's what Montreal is. They're the good-bad team. Of all the bad teams in the league, they're the best. That doesn't mean yeah. they're a good team. doesn't mean they're a playoff team. It means of all the bad teams in the league, they're number one. And they're probably a team that's going to be hanging around that last wild card spot, probably finishes a few points outside, and then it makes perfect sense to me. Who who are some of the other good-bad teams, then? Philadelphia. Might yeah. be a good, is it probably one of those good-bad teams? Uh, in the West? Chicago? Uh, might, might be, yeah, Chicago might be considered a good-bad team. Uh, do we... But, to look at good bad. Well, let's finish the, well, the good bad thread. Okay, before we I th- get I to think, Chicago, I mean, you mean? No, no. Chicago, I think is a is a good bad yeah, team, a non playoff right team, uh, but could probably beat up on the lower lower okay. half. You know, the lower third of the league. Yeah. Where, where do you put Nashville in all of this now? By the way, well, behind Chicago in the standings at the moment, in, in the I'm concerned bucket. <laughs> Right over what, here. what a lonely bucket that is. <laughs> yeah, because Jamie really doesn't care about much. No. So if you fall into Jamie's That's I'm true. concerned bucket. Yes. It's cavernous. It's, it's something's going on, yeah. Uh, okay, who are you more Spacious. who are you more concerned about? Nashville, Tampa, or Toronto? Do all three of these teams make the playoffs? How many questions can I ask before one gets answered? Confused. Could you repeat them? <laughs> I would say yes, but I would be more concerned yes, about... Yes, I think that was a question. You said all, all three of these teams make oh, playoffs. Okay. Yes, but I would be more concerned about Nashville because I think they're the least talented of the three. They're still good. They're not a bad team, but there's so much talent on Tampa Bay and Toronto. They're so well, and they're just not playing well lately. They're not. Tampa's just really tough to, to gauge because they have played five less games than the Leafs, and it's not yeah. inconceivable they go 4-1 and... 4-0-1 in those five games. And I can't believe they're this much worse than they were last year just because of what happened in the playoffs. I, I think it's probably residuals in some way, and, you know, they had to cross the pond, as it were. Oh. <laughs> Played less games. I think they'll figure it out. They're just yeah. on cruise I, mean, I think I have the least amount of concern about them. And now that Toronto's changed coaches, they probably will come around a bit here. But Nashville, I don't know. Yeah. The whole West is just weird. The whole West kind of sucks. Weird. Let me throw one other team in there, then. What about Calgary? Yeah. That's fair too. When, when they are living up to the the team of nonlinear progression, what is they are yeah, living well, they, up to? Yeah, this. they are. They <laughs> they are all over the place. I have, I, I'm done with the Flames. I have no idea. I have no idea what they're ever going to do. Ever. This trade talk of Johnny Goudreau, which isn't going to happen, by the way, it's just chatter. But no, no, no you, tra- you don't How trade, is trade him? Johnny Goudreau going to make you better. It doesn't. And, and like under any circumstances, because I would assume if you're going to trade him, you're going to get a package back. What package makes you better? You're not getting Nathan well, McKinnon for Johnny Gaudreau. Better than adding Milan Lucic? Well, <sighs> he's dragging them down. It's funny. Now he's on Calgary and they're going down and Edmonton's going hey, up. He has four assists in 22 games. Did you guys ISO on him a little bit in that game? I did. I, I did a little bit so and then I, I grew weary. He can't move. 
and just started watching other parts <laughs> of the game. Move. He's so bad. <laughs> well, the problem is if you're isolating on him, you have to look at one side of the ice, or you can look at where well, the game's no. going on on the other yeah, side. Sure. Like, yeah. So you can follow him very closely as he slowly skates. But as, you know, I, I would. I guess I would say to hockey fans, if you're seeing the sport for the first time. Don't ISO on Milan Lucic. Well, you could focus on Milan Lucic because it'll be easy to follow him. Yeah, he'll kind of ease you, could, you into you it. You can see what a hockey player looks like and what <laughs> they're supposed to do. Granted, this is in slow motion. It's, it's almost like we've slowed it down so you can understand the game. Here is a hockey game. It is played on ice with a puck. Here is a hockey player. <laughs> But like, with typically the, they move quicker than this. Uh, typically, uh, with the Flames, we knew that's level two. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. you're not there yet. You're not ready to watch a boring team like the Coyotes. We yet. knew secondary scoring was going to be an issue, but it's been abysmal. Look, Sam Bennett's never going to be a thing. We can stop with this now. Now I'm happy they burned a year of ZLC because he's been nothing. <laughs> Jamie's he's been bullshit. nothing. They knew what they were doing. They allowed uh, 73 goals too. Yeah, like well, the goaltending's been terrible goals. for how many years now? They, it's been. Like it's been bad since Kippersoff left. This was bad even the last couple of years of Kippersoff. Kipper. But it was like uh, it's just. But Jordan, Riddick's above that nine ten save percentage J- Jordan, line. Yeah, but uh-huh. you see, but they're not scoring enough to have a league average goaltender. That's true. You know what I mean? You can have, yeah. you can get by with a league average goaltender if you're Toronto, if you're yeah. Tampa, but it's it's not going to work in Calgary. At least not the way they're playing. Jordano has not been great this year. T.J. Brody left his game wherever Mark Edward Vlasic left his game three years ago. Is that I don't understand? Is that the team where everybody's going to panic now in Canada? Because yeah. I think we all agree Toronto's going to turn mm-hmm. it around. Well, that's a t- I, I start to wonder because B got an extension before the season, so I don't think they're going to make moves there. I don't so, know how you can blame the GM. I mean, he put together a team that had the second best record in hockey last year. But and- then that means you're going to start talking about moving players, right? Are, there, are they just going to sit there and say, we're going to throw? I mean, this is not the first time that they have had this, you know, they have come off a good season and then just completely bottomed out. Like, uh, you have to do something, don't you? You can't just walk into next season, assuming that they stay out of the playoff picture, mm-hmm. or they just get in and maybe get swept out. You can't just walk into next season and say, eh, let's go in with the same roster and see what happens. Well, I just meant, like, how, how much are people going to panic right now, this season? Yeah, well, it sounds like Brad Living wants to shake this up already. He's probably going to make a move here, but... I don't, what is I don't that move? It, uh, yeah, because the, the players that are being mentioned aren't terribly marketable players. I, I, don't, I don't see any of those moves appreciably improving this team. This is why it's tough when Peter Chiarelli is not in the league, because you don't have that guy you can go True. to and say, look, we'll give you, I don't even know who, Rasmus Anderson for your number one center. We're talking about a lot of Canadian teams here. Uh, which which fan base do you think should be the most panicked about their team right now in Canada? Because Calgary's on that list. Toronto's certainly on that list. Ottawa, I don't know if it's panic or yeah, if it's just resignation, yeah, resignation. at this point. It's not panic. Um, they, they suck. <laughs> They're better Edmonton, than expected. clearly, you're not worried that they're they're finally doing something. Edmonton might be the best Canadian team. Vancouver has slipped too. Yeah. Now that they've you know not faced they've the league's easiest schedule. Now they're yeah. playing up to the talent level. But they had uh, unreasonable expectations for a league average team. Calgary should be better than Vancouver. The, the pa- I would say Calgary should be most. It's panicked. Calgary or Toronto because the reason why Toronto should be panicked is Calgary's expectations are to be a solid playoff team. Toronto has a window here where they have enough talent to win cups, plural. And if Five-year window. And if they don't do it, and they don't win one. I think that's the name of the podcast, actually. Five-year Five year window. window. Yeah. Like, if they don't win one, like, I don't, I don't think, even as good as Calgary's been, I don't think, I mean, even last year we were like, are they really a cup contender? Like, they're good, but... Eh. I don't remember sounding like that last year. But, <laughs> but Toronto has the like talent. Like, and you have the talent, and when you, are you really going to waste cup-level talent? They haven't done it yet, but... 
You have well, win Stanley Cup talent. There's a lot of pressure. Let's go back to Toronto then for a second because we keep joking about the five-year window, but the window's not going to be open forever, and it's going to be open for a while. But what if Sheldon Keefe isn't the right guy? That eats up, what, two years of your window? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I am a fan of going out unless there's an ama- unless Dave Tippett or Joel Quenville is available. Missed that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> Then pull up uh, your guy from the AHL because, in theory, he should be coaching your system. He should be familiar with your players. It makes it more seamless. But if he's not the right guy, mm-hmm. they better be sure he's the right guy. What's interesting is both those guys you mentioned were just available. Yeah. And yeah. there was talk that they should have said goodbye to Babcock in the offseason. And hmm. if, it would be so Toronto to miss that opportunity. It really right? would, yeah. Because <laughs> wouldn't you be a little more scared of Toronto right now if, if they had Joel Quenville? Joel yes. Quenville was coaching yes. the team? Yes, they would. Um, Dave Tippett right now is still the front runner for Jack Adams. I got it. yeah, yeah. He has he to is be. for me. And, and you mentioned Trotz, but he's not going to win back to back. Getting back to Montreal for a moment here, where we started this entire thread. Craig, for some reason, is the only person that wants to talk about Montreal. Well, I mean, in terms of panic, right now they're in a playoff position, but Jonathan Drouin is out for a while, and Max Domi, as I pointed out, is regressing just as Jamie Eisner said he would. Yeah. Significantly. Have you looked at his November? He has two assists and no goals. Ever since he dressed up like the Joker for Halloween, which, by the way, did you see the pictures? He, he, nailed, the he nailed the costume, mm-hmm. but he hasn't done anything since. No. Two um, assists. All month. Yeah, that, that team, they really are the, the good, bad team. They are they like are. the cutoff in the NHL. They, they are good. They're going to finish with like 86 or 87 points or something like that, and they're gonna not, it's not going to matter. Well, they finished with 96 last year and missed the playoffs. I mean, I do sort of feel bad for them. Yeah, they regard. probably should have, but they're not, they're not as good. And look, I don't know if, if it's a one-year panic, maybe they're in the conversation, but I don't think they're good enough to be. I mean, I know expectations are always going to be out of whack, but they're not a team that was going to do anything this year. How? How different now is the Atlantic from what you expected at the start of the year? Or have your expectations changed at all with Florida? Right now, Florida's in second place. I mean, would it really would it shock you if it went Boston, Florida, Toronto, Tampa, or Tampa, Toronto? Or if Florida if Florida finishes ahead of just Tampa or Toronto, it throws everything off. It does throw everything it off, does. but it wouldn't shock me because they have some talent there and they have Joel Quinville now. Imagine if they had Artemi Panarin too. Do you no. think he's having any second thoughts? By the way. Eh. Eh. What if, uh, what if they had goaltender? What if they had a goalie? Yeah, yeah a that's goalie. the real what question. What if they spent $10 million hey, a year on a goaltender? You think they'd be interested in Nati Ranta? Uh, yeah, I think any I mean, team that needs wait, a goalie. Well, Joel Quindle already coached him, too. What? That's true. Okay, oh. so, so we Barkov have to trade him. Yeah, you have and to Huberto for Ranta yes. and Garland. Done. Can we just do Give the, them the high score. They, they need a goal scorer back. So. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> video game trades, as Jamie calls them. Uh, Oh, and the seventh round pick in 2067. Do we just want to... Store it in there as a little sweetener. Do our weekly reminder. Signifying the loss in crowds trade with the Panthers. Look at that. See, it all comes full circle. Brilliant. Uh, Do we we just want to do our weekly, uh, the Coyotes are not trading one of their goalies segment here? Yeah, stop asking us that question, please. Here it is. Ready? Yeah. Can you cue me up? What's what's the intro? Uh, Here, I'll just ask you a question. Craig, the Coyotes have two goalies, and it's clearly the strength of their team. Shouldn't they trade one of them away and not be as good? No. Okay. Cool. What if other teams need a goalie, though? Don't you have an obligation to make other teams better and share? No. All right. Okay. We'll do that again Not next week. Peter Chiarelli takes over. <laughs> we'll just uh, we'll come back and, and I'll just actually I'll, I'll isolate that and we'll just replay it next week. Look, and, and 
the Coyotes don't have a lot of scoring talent. We've talked about this before. Their huge advantage over the rest of the league is the way that they zig when everybody else zags. It's great defense and unbelievable goaltending. That is their key to success. That is how they can shut down and beat top teams in the league. You will, n- you should never do anything to break that up. That is the one huge advantage you have over the rest of the league. Point two on that. Who becomes the backup if Antti is gone? Which goalie in this system right now looks like he's ready to help this team? Yeah. And then at that point, you Calvin have to, Pickard, no. You have to hold your breath every time. Yeah. Eric Comrie, no. Try to create a fourth character on the show. I don't know. And Shane Hill hasn't played well. No. No. I mean, then you have to hold your breath every time Kemper stretches to make a save. Because yeah. right. you're like, oh, if he gets hurt, our season's over. Yep. So, I'm yeah. not even sure Eric Comrie's a real person. I've I think never he's a fictional actually character seen him been made up. Yeah. He sits in the press box a lot. He's like Kaiser Sose from uh, from Usual Suspects. He'll probably be back in the press box soon when his conditioning stint ends. Uh, okay, Gary Bettman clarifying the expansion draft rules for Seattle. We're watching you, Vegas. Don't do anything funny. What do you think about Vegas, actually, this year? I think there are problems there. I think they've lost some of their speed. Some of their depth, they just, and I think they're finally realizing, oh my God, we're an expansion team. Yeah. I heard an interesting theory on them the other day. Somebody told me, like, what if it's just now we're a couple years in, Vegas is, is has a good roster, but they don't have that edge of being the underdog story. Wow. And now mm-hmm. there's expectations. We talked about that a lot in the show. Yeah. That, that, that is a huge factor. The other factor is their blue line hasn't been good ever. Yep. I know we spent the whole expansion draft talking about, oh my God, look at the all these available defensemen and that they ended up getting. Like none of them, well, Nate Schmidt, none of them, Nate Schmidt, and nobody. Yeah, Jamie's yeah, done yeah, nine true. different voices. On he does. <laughs> it's great. Multi talented. This is Jamie's variety. Identify hour. them all. Are you schizophrenic, by the way? Just no, I'm not. Sorry. Yes, he is. What? What? <laughs> um, but Wait, I mean, look, can we hear from the Calvert Picker uh, guy again? I want to hear him one more time. <laughs> <laughs> the Cal- I don't even know. I don't want. I don't want to get into my Nate McKinnon, the Cole Harbor oh, voice. The Cole Harbor guy. Uh, he can't control which personality he shifts no. into. But, but we are starting to see this this trend of. Just being what? Like a series of gates in his head. You just, they're just opening. We don't even need no, to be so here. If you've ever We're seen figments of Jamie's imagination. I, I'm going to alienate like half the Have you ever seen the SpongeBob episode where Plankton like takes over and like he plugs into the brain and actually, starts walking? That's actually. what's happening, just with different voices. I'm happy that you've seen this. Luke definitely hasn't seen I this. I have seen this. You've watched SpongeBob. It's, yes. I'm, I'm happy yeah. now. So this. that's what happened. There's like, there's like a plankton in my head, and it's like just a lever with each different voice that just happens. I thought I was isolated as an adult for those eight years of my life. No. <laughs> I was on the TV were cartoons. I don't know what just happened. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I was talking about. Vegas. Oh, uh, yeah, shut up, you. Gary. Uh, I don't know what I was talking about. I think I was leading to a point of we're starting to see a trend in the NHL where you just can't not defend at all. Like, you have to be able to play competent defense, no matter how high elite your offensive scorers are. Other teams are starting to shut you down again. Other really strong, like Islanders and Arizona, they're starting to shut you down again. You have to play at least a competent level of defense, even if you have superstars up front. That is interesting, because I I think that we are seeing more star power in the league than we've seen you know, I don't know. I'd say we've, we've seen more in the last three or four years than we were seeing ten years ago. So is this the league now sort of readjusting to that? Of There's a lot more star scorers in this league, so now we have to figure out a way to play defense? That, and I think there's also a dearth of quality defensemen in the league. Like, I think we are very, I think we are talent poor on the defense side compared to what we are seeing up front. In terms of playing defense, yes, yes. In terms of, in terms of the def- run, yes. there's a lot, yeah. Because you, when you look at rosters, the way they're constructed now, there are a lot of 
puck movers. That's right? what I'm saying. Like if you look what at what happens if it breaks down in your own end and those puck movers have to defend. Like look at the top ten or twelve Vezina guys, or not Vezina, excuse me, Norse guys, and you start to look at like okay, well Brent Burns. You start to look at Eric Carlson. You start to look at you know some of these other, uh, Morgan Riley. You start to look at these guys and you go okay, you know are these guys actually net positive when it comes to defending their own zone or are they just so great offensively? And yes, there's a place for that, but we are seeing a real lack of quality, not just defensive defensemen, but even just two-way defensemen that are that play at a high level in their own zone. The best, a lot of the best defensemen in the league now are just, again, puck movers or just assist producers. If, if your thought is that you have to be more defensively minded to, to be successful, then how do you explain the amazing run the Blackhawks are on? Well, it ended. Already. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's already over. Did you enjoy it while it lasted at least? Not really, because I was looking at the numbers. That's oh. the problem with analysis. Oh. It can well, tell you of, things that you might not want to know. Like, oh, they're shooting 16% as a team, and they're allowing an average of 42 shots per game. This doesn't no feel sustainable yeah, for some reason. Stretch against Toronto I love and when Vegas, they played against Carolina, too. That was 99. so funny. Like, like they, they, they'll play any defense, and Carolina puts a gajillion shots on net. Not all of them good, but at least, but at least a gajillion shots on yeah. net. And it didn't, didn't go Very on. different styles. And a lot of former Blackhawks, I feel like, hmm. involved yeah. with Carolina. Well, true of a lot of Wasn't Tara, Tara Vina and Taves getting into it at the end of the game? I'm just going to keep talking about Chicago until Craig reaches for his bell. I've reached. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to give it a complimentary ring? <laughs> nice. Okay. I feel better. Uh, want to get to questions here? Okay. Why not? You don't want to talk about Dustin Bufflin, huh? Oh, okay. What do you make of that? That's an odd situation. It sure is. Yeah. Who's um, telling the truth here? Who's lying? Usually agents are lying, is typically. But, I mean, that's that could be, I guess, said on both sides here. I don't know. Um, that's, that story has sort of gone under the radar, but it ties into the fact that should we be talking about Winnipeg being pretty good this year? Yeah, it's surprising, to be honest, with what what's going on on their blue line. Uh, Connor Hellebuck has been good this year. Yeah, very good. He has. And back. the Jets right now have uh, 27 points. If Just to put it in, in context, if you're a Coyotes fan, that's one less point than the Coyotes. And uh, Winnipeg doesn't really play defense, or they weren't supposed to. Uh, the Coyotes have given up 49 goals. I'm just looking like compared to some of these other teams. The only team that's close... The Islanders have given up 46, and Boston's given up 54. And I think if you're looking at this... A lot of teams have given up like 80 already. The, the strange thing when you look at Winnipeg is Patrick Laine's got five goals. Kyle Connors got seven goals. Blake yeah. Wheeler has 12 points, and yet they're still in this spot with that blue line. They are very quietly winning a lot of games. And I haven't got to see them a whole lot this year. You guys look at goals saved above average? That stat, it's one Sometimes. of the best stats, out, in yeah. my opinion, for goalies. Connor Hellebuck leads the league. Well, he... He's been so strange because he's really, really good one year and then just kind of kind of good. The yeah, next he wasn't year. terrible. No, he was just he was fine, but then really, really good again. Fine. He's just fine. That word again. I mean, he was the key. I mean, if you remember a few years ago, we talked about Winnipeg being a goalie away from being a contender. They had Hellebeck call up, and he played amazing, and they were a cup contender. Like that, that he has been the the key to that team's rise. But I can't see this team doing any. I mean, look, the West is wide open, but I can't see them having an extended run with that blue line. And I don't, I don't think Bob Bufflin's coming back at this point. No, it doesn't seem like it. But, I mean, they, you just said that Line a hasn't really done a whole lot. You expect that he could go on a run. His Although points have been is, fine, but he's not scoring. This is weird with him, though, too. I mean, he was supposed to be a perpetual 40-goal guy, and last year he had one really good month, and this year he hasn't even had... Just in terms of goals, this year he hasn't even had that month. Well, because he's got to learn to score from more than one freaking spot on the ice. Ever since he shot like, the puck into his own net that one year, everything has sort of like shifted with him. 
Remember that shot? Like, top shelf yeah. right past his befuddled goalie that was like, what are you doing to me? Yeah. It's beautiful. It was. It was a great shot. Um, all right, let's get to questions here. Okay. And I should point out, we're getting enough... Like, we're just answering the questions that are sent directly in response to the tweet that... Uh, I'll pull back the curtain that Craig keeps sending out each week. So if you're sending in a question randomly once. on a Monday... No, Jamie can't spell. So you know if Jamie's been sent it out, it's just a meme. Um, I occasionally leave letters out of words, like Taylor Swit, who's uh, related to Loretta Swit. <laughs> well, Craig's used to having an editor following him around, so that's, nice. that's why. You know, Twitter just added an edit button. <laughs> It's you know, not a big deal. I've I've gone the other way on this. I don't think they can. The more I think about it, because you, you like to see those mistakes. You, no, well, yes. they amuse it, you. You can do it, but they you do. have you have to. It has to be on a very small timer. It has to be like a five what? or ten second timer. Well, why? Why? Well, because could you imagine if somebody tweets out something, it gets a lot of retweets, and they edit it to say something that's like yeah, pro that's Nazi or pro something else, and all of a sudden it says, "Well, Craig Morgan retweeted." I'm just saying, like a spelling error. Allow me to that's I change just, the spelling of a word that's misspelled. I, we can go with my. Suggestion from a year ago: If you get three challenges a year, it's basically like yeah, you can edit three times a year. Well, that's, that's exactly. a lot of pressure. I don't know if I want that pressure. Well, maybe five. Life's stressful enough. I disagree. If I spell a name or a word incorrectly, I should be able to correct it. That's not a big deal. That's not too much to ask. But people will abuse that power if you can edit yes. every tweet. Yes, I'm don't give me that look. Spellings, but I know. But how is not going to be able to know the difference? Yeah. Why not? They're Twitter. Look at all they've done. <laughs> You can't figure this out? Figure this out, Twitter. I don't, I, no, it's I don't absurd. think they can. I think I, there's got to be a limit. It's either got to be like Jamie said, you have 10 seconds to edit it, or you have to, or maybe you said that, I don't know. You guys are blurring together at this point. That. Okay. I didn't notice it after 10 seconds, actually, because I'm watching a game, and mm. gotta be honest, more vigilant. the Taylor Swift banner wasn't all that important to me, but I would have liked to have spelled her last name correctly, and it got retweeted a lot. Yeah. For some reason, yeah. people seem to want to retweet it in spite of the fact that it had a misspelling. That's probably it. why they retweeted it. And nobody corrected my spelling. Oh, why would I looked they? At it. That would be rude. Somebody should have. All right. Eldon. So anyway, yes. If you are sending in a, a question on a send Monday. It, send, it, send it to the thread, even if you send it earlier, because Luke is too good to go back and look at your yeah, that's, the, uh, other, that's the other question. So the we're only going to respond to questions on the official thread going forward. So FYI. Um, we may not even respond to those, but. Yeah. We're going to try, though. We're going to try and respond to all of them today. Are we? Yeah. Ready? Okay. okay. Eldon, how much better would Edmonton be if they had a coach that knew how to use offensively elite players? So much better. <laughs> Are they apologizing up there, like the, the people that didn't want Dave Tippett to coach that team? Is he getting his his uh, his just due at this point? I would guess so, at least in the media. Okay. Uh, fan, I'm, I'm guessing the fans are on board now, too, but media, you know, as soon as someone's in town, they'll back you. We're not still how it works up there. We're not. We're, we're not getting the. Uh, we're not getting the narrative of he can't coach young talent or anybody could coach the Oilers at this point. With well, the team I, there some, there, someone did say any, anybody could coach Connor McDavid. Anybody look good coaching Connor McDavid? To which, of course, Jamie pointed out correctly this morning. Well, a lot of guys failed recently. Yeah, I, I also mm-hmm. want to read this because these lines get more ridiculous every day. Leon Dreisaitl, 23 games played, 44 points. Connor McDavid, 23 games played, 43 points. And L O L Oscar Clefbaum seventeen points. There you go. <laughs> the um, yeah, I mean, here's some coaches that couldn't coach Connor McDavid. Let's see, Ken Hitchcock, uh, Todd McClellan, Todd Nelson. Um, well, I guess Nelson was there before McDavid, but he wouldn't have been able to coach him. It's uh, 
It's it's amazing those numbers that you put out there are up for those guys, right? I mean, they're both on pace for career highs. Almost, under that's almost two points per game a quarter of the way in the season. Yes. So, yes. so they're, who, they're on pace for career highs, both of them. So yeah. whoever thought Tippett was going to limit Drysidle and McDavid? No, he's just putting them out there and they're doing their thing. No, they're actually doing better yeah. than their thing this season. Yes, and also like if you've watched him closely, he's used this tactic in a few games where he's he's using his TV timeouts to get extra rest for those guys to put them back on the ice and to almost like double shift them in a way. Yeah, because his bottom six is producing well, nothing. Well, True, yeah, he doesn't have a complete still, roster to work with. But that's still a smart way to do it because yes. when Leon Dreisaitl and Carmen well, yeah. David are on the ice, I don't care if they have they're at fifty percent. They're better than most of what the rest of you got on that team. They also have. Listen carefully, dear listeners. <laughs> Those two players this have isn't complete freedom on offense. Complete freedom. Yeah. I think the people that need to hear that probably are uh, are not listening to this podcast. So. And when you're scoring two points per game, you can continue to have complete yes, freedom. Yeah. You do what you want. One of them's <laughs> going to hit 150 points, aren't they? It'd I mean, be really cool if they did. I, I hope they both stay healthy and they play 82. That's the thing. I Out, really want to see that. Outside of injury, what is going to stop them both from hitting 150 points? Realistically. Nuclear war. The last time we had this. Lemieux Yager? I mean, that would be the first yeah. team that would jump to mind, like yeah. in the. And before that, you know, the, the Gretzky, Curry, Messier, uh, like five other guys on the Oilers who also had two points per game. Kind of a different era, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, try to sell some pace for 157, <laughs> and nice. Connor McDavid for 153. McDavid will pass him when it's all said and done. Maybe. Who wins like who wins the hard trophy if McDavid is behind Drysaddle by ten points? Eat up each other's votes and somebody else will win. No, no, no. Uh, clearly, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> they will split. Wait a minute. That's here. not how this works. Well, uh, uh, so which which one's Canadian? Oh, okay, I understand. Miko oh, Koskinen, yeah. by the way, is having a good year. Yes, he is. Nine twenty three save percentage. Uh, actually, Mike Smith hasn't been that bad either. A two three nine. He's goals coming against. back down. He's coming back down to earth rapidly. Yes. Yes. Tippett told me he just thought Koskinen was overworked last year. He watched tape of him. He thought he was a good goalie. He thought he was overworked last year. So that was like Chiarelli's parting gift. So you go and get Mike Smith to to take some of the load yeah. off yeah. him, but don't depend too much on Mike Smith, which you don't want to do at this stage either. Really, only wanted to do for one season, but. That's another story, too. Tippett, Tockett, Trotz, Quenville. Tippett, Tockett, Trotz. Those are the four. He doesn't fit. Sorry. Okay. Well, then Quenville's out. Sorry. He has to be out. Yeah. Yeah. Stan Bowman rules. Quenville's out no matter what. Uh, All right. So that was one question. It took four hours. Let's try another one. (laughs) Joel Quenville's interesting, right? A guy who couldn't win Coach of the Year in Chicago because he coached Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Until he no longer coached Chicago, and now somehow you won't win because he's got because he's got Bobrovsky, even though Bobrovsky's been a detriment to this team for the first quarter of the season. Yeah, people will be like, "Look, he got that, that yeah, high price goalie." Barkov, come on. Um, How hard is it? This is Jamie's buddy at McWinnin. Is this the show Jamie Eisner finally admits how wrong he is about the Colorado Avalanche? I'm going to guess no. No, they are four points above the spot where I said they would finish, <laughs> and it's November 21st. So no, I will not. Well, I guess that's that. Uh, Coach East Jack, what have you thought of Aaron Ness' play so far this year? He's been fine. Yeah, I mean, for what they're asking him to do, yeah. they're not I mean, asking him to be a top-pairing guy. Right, and he's he's a, a placeholder, right? Yeah. Well, Chalmerson's out when he comes back. We know who their top six are. Yeah, I, I don't see a lot of long-term value. But he has been decent. That you call yeah. up and play. Yeah, yeah he's a, he, he has some offensive skills. So I talked to him the other day, and he said fine. his biggest thing is to basically earn the trust of the coaching staff and just get comfortable and ideally with consistent playing time for as long as he has it. So he's definitely he's got the right attitude about it and I think 
sometimes you'll see a guy get called up and, hey, you're going to be our sixth or seventh defenseman, and they decide, okay, this is my chance to show everybody how great I can be, and that means offensive numbers, and they take chances, and they're right back out of the league. I think he has been very aware of what he is supposed to do, and I think he's done it fairly well. I think he's is he's probably their number seven defenseman now. I think he is, because Ilya Labushkin has taken a step mm-hmm. back this year. You mean year. when Jalmerson comes back? Kyle Capobianco yeah. did not look good yeah. for the most part when he was up here. He looked tentative. Yeah. So, he looked okay, I thought, in a couple games, but yeah. by and large, he not, not, not like he and I don't know if that's the knee still recovering. I mean, remember, he wasn't even fully healthy coming into camp, so yeah. that takes a little while to come back from. But right now, Ness might be number seven on their list. So maybe he stays up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no update on Jalmerson yet, right? No. Okay. Uh, I've seen him scooting around. Scooting. He's still on a scooter. The leg's still up. They're not providing any updates. He so, has a really cute son. With him, he'll be back in like uh, probably tonight. Can can they yeah. put is can they put the scooter on the ice just for the penalty kill? Like just have him stand. They do there. miss him there. Just have him stand. Penalty there. kill has been okay lately, yeah. but it's mediocre on the season. It's uh, definitely power, because of him and the power play. You know, because the penalty kill is still getting the shorthanded chances because Grabner gets two breakaways a game. <laughs> yeah. So that that oh. aspect is still there. But the uh, the stopping the other team from scoring every single time out that's not there this year because Jalmerson's been hurt. Uh, Michael Grabner might miss tonight's game, by the way. I don't want to hear that. I missed those two breakaways. He's a little banged up. Big Tortilla. Jason Damaris turned down a trade to Vancouver, accepted a trade to Arizona. Phil Kessel turned down a trade to Minnesota, accepted a trade to Arizona. Are players around the league more open to coming to Arizona now, especially with stable ownership and the team playing well? Yes. Was that our segment on that? Yes. Okay. But also, like, you know, why would you want to go play in Minnesota? That's, I mean, Minnesota's not a bad place. I mean, it's... So no, it's bad team. Market. No, no, no. Yes, it's Th- that. There's nothing wrong with this with St. Paul, Minneapolis. I just well, mean like yeah. the team. But I do go back to <laughs> players do care where they live, and it's becoming more and more important where they live. They want to live someplace nice. Yeah. Look, if <laughs> you have team... good weather here, not yeah. today, of course, but it's still compared to most of the country. How about Toronto coming in and getting three days of rain? Well, yeah. that's and apparently yeah. followed them through Vegas yeah. too. It's been following them around, I think, all season. <laughs> actually, this is a really bad metaphor. Um, now I'm thinking about Babcock touching the window in his hotel oh, again. Oh, boy. Am I going to have to drop Celine Dion music into this show? Near. No, no, <laughs> Far. no. That sounds like Grover on Sesame Street, actually. <laughs> Even your one fan that tweets in occasionally is is against you on this one, yeah, Jamie. That's true. Uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Duck LaRange or Szechuan Duck? I've never had duck before. And also, quite, quite frankly, Jackie doesn't like this discussion. Yeah, he doesn't like it. I, I, I'll, I'll say this, and it's not just for Jackie's behalf. Uh, I'm not a big fan of duck. Okay. It's a little too oily for me. Uh, yeah, not, not, I'm actually not either. Jamie only eats out of vending machines, so he's <laughs> unqualified to answer this. Uh, Rose writes in. Hi, Rose. I like You're not be- coming tonight either. Behind the scenes. Wait, are Craig you going to be, be there? All of you people are going to the game instead of seeing me, aren't you? Wait, so you're not going to the game tonight? I'm going to the game. No, he, he has to I don't know if I'm going to arrive. He has to leave the game. from downtown Phoenix at 6, six o'clock. Something. I have to get to my car, remember, so it takes time yeah. to walk to wherever my car is. Yeah. I have to make it out yeah, to Glendale. He, yeah, his, his dilemma wasn't available for him tonight, so he has to, he has to <sighs> well, slap himself. the helicopter, Jamie. At least oh, it's not true. raining, so there won't be any traffic here. We didn't here. feel like the uh, weather conditions were safe for the helicopter tonight. So uh, I like the behind-the-scenes discussion, so what does a typical game day in, entail for you guys? Um, should we answer for each other? Jamie lays on his couch. <laughs> well, well, now. <laughs> I assume it when I, was, when I was actively covering. Um, that was good. Go ahead, answer for being It's hurtful. No, I can't answer for Craig. Well, Luke, I don't really know what you do. Four podcasts, 
Um, he probably goes out to cover a different team. He probably does something here as well. Yeah. And at some point, he arrives at the arena. He's supposed to be there early. I don't know how it happens. And then when do you leave there? Midnight-ish? Uh, a, a typical – I'll just go the last home game day on a weekday. We did this podcast in the morning. I went to Cardinals practice. I got to the arena five hours before the game. I recorded a podcast with Paul Bissonnette. And then player interview before the game, and then uh, media meal and game. Yeah. Okay. And well, you leave. ate the media meal. I, I okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's in here. He likes it. So I don't well, want to admit that. Craig wakes up at four in the morning. Yeah. Does Pilates. Five. Uh, <laughs> On five. top of it's a mountain. Five. Let's not exaggerate. Does a thing where he's like, I have to be a dad and like spend time with his family. Such a and, lame excuse. Know, takes his daughter to swim practice. This morning, and- I made a uh, peanut butter, cherry jelly, and banana sandwich for my one daughter, and the other daughter asked for. Chicken noodle soup, which was actually easy. It was a pretty easy lunch day. How do you send chicken noodle soup to school? Just well, we a thermos? Have a little, yeah, we have a thermos. It probably it's, has like a chicken noodle soup carrier. Like yeah, it's banana. I have like a thermos, chicken. which I actually Shaped put like boiling water can. in ahead of time to heat it up. <laughs> okay. So it even does a better job of keeping mm-hmm. the soup hot. Are you still using the banana suitcases or have we effectively I the, shamed Well, my you. daughter took the yellow banana suitcase today. She wanted yellow. Okay. So What's the other color? I didn't well, know. We didn't see There are two other colors. Green and pink? Yes. Okay. You've seen oh, them all. Wow. You've seen, oh, okay. Well, when I looked them up to see if, if this was a figment of our imagination or if they were real, those are the only mm-hmm. other colors that came why, why would you think it was a Well, we, well, we actually saw take. it. I actually brought one in. I know, we saw it in Living Colors. I was hoping we were all hallucinating those days. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dangle well, Snipe you know, Belly. You could do a podcast with Paul Bissonette. I'll leave that right there. No, there you go. More likely to sound sensible about the Babcock firing. <laughs> Did you get in trouble last time? <laughs> Toronto. Uh, I didn't get in trouble. Toronto Media <laughs> or Gilbert Gottfried. Wait, what? Wait, wait. Uh, wait Start over. Wait, uh, more yeah, more likely to sound sensible about the Babcock wow. firing, Toronto Media or Gilbert Godfrey. And I the, tried to Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey! No. <laughs> I don't have it. That's the most I can do. That's the most I can do. <laughs> I feel like... The, Am I alone here? <laughs> I feel like these impressions would be made much better if people could see Jamie's face uh, as he does them. Or if they were already drinking by the time this, they started this podcast. Or if they weren't listening. Uh, for Craig, is it frustrating to have information you aren't allowed to report? In parentheses, assuming that actually happens. I can't answer that question. <laughs> or he'd have to kill you. Yes, that is frustrating, actually. I, I will answer just from the stuff I know that you can't report. It's frustrating. And mm-hmm. when it is frustrating is when you hear people reporting it incorrectly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which, that's a, that's that's a bad one. But there's also the panic of I'm sitting on something because I don't have it confirmed, even though I know it's true. Is somebody else going to report it in the meantime? Yeah. And that's like the ownership. For instance. <clears throat> See, this is this is a good question for you because you are more of a traditional assuming you're okay after that you're more of a traditional more of a craig is like the old school by the book reporter and with ethics and yeah morals and integrity yes but you'll see where i'm that's going so here. outdated that's well, okay, so outdated but uh, so antiquated it's starting to get exaggerated here but uh but jamie and i i mean yeah we don't care about anybody we, or anything no, but we don't ever try oh. and break stories like there's stuff that we've known but i don't really care about breaking a, a news story oh thanks luke no, well, but, feel good but people come well, to I Craig. I couldn't break anything now. I'm not, I'm not around the team really anymore. I don't breaking stories, Craig. Well, no, but... You but, do whatever it is you do in your little job. I'm trying to figure out what it is you do. No, but people turn to Craig. I mean, the ownership well, stuff is a good a good example, but it's not the only thing. I Almost every hockey fan I know in this city turns to you for breaking news. I mean, that's that's sort of what you have to do. But to your point, there's a lot of people out there. We've seen it. We can we can all name some of the Twitter handles that are just like, I'm going to throw stuff and see if it sticks. Yep. And if I'm going to write, I'm going to point to how, how I was right. And 
Or they don't understand how to vet information that's given to them. Bingo. That they just think all information is, is created well, yeah. equal and they don't understand, like, is there a motive behind the information I'm getting? Yeah, see, there's... there's Why are they giving me this information? Just as key as lousy sources are qualified sources who might have an agenda. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there's uh, a few of them out there, especially mm. on topics like, you know, arenas moving and mm-hmm. ownership in the mm-hmm. past mm-hmm. and the Coyotes moving to Winnipeg. Especially that. You, like, if you're not covering the team every day and you're not there, you have to really wonder why somebody might be giving you the information exactly. they're giving you. Why are you getting a random phone call? I, I found it interesting because when I was first like doing the stuff at Five for Howling, the people that would try to give me information versus when I was actually credentialed and covering the team those people went away once i started actually covering the team for real yeah like it's you have to think back some uh, that's not in particular i'm just going like my experience but no but there's a lot to wonder why people would be giving just some person that they follow on twitter special information you have to start to wonder is this accurate and why are they doing this? think about it very simply if you're somebody on a on a I don't know, a, a hot topic issue that wants your opinion on it out there. If you could get Craig Morgan to report it as news, all of a sudden everybody lends some credence to it. Yes. Those people can't get Craig Morgan to report it as news, so they get random Twitter accounts that have 800 followers to report it as news. And for some reason, people still pick it up. Yeah, well, and I think one of the questions, I think it was about being a writer in, in Craig's latest mailbag column for The Athletic. Was I think it was about being a better writer, but in just in general for being a reporter, for the, anybody that's somehow listening to us that, still, that wants to be in the field the importance of confirmation <laughs> is so important because we i see i saw a lot of times when i was the editor at fan rag or five for howling or whatnot the desire to just, just have the first piece of information just there. throw it out there yeah. is so high and it's it's so great you have to be able to fight that urge even if it's from a good source i mean there are certain sources that are okay as one source yes. stories but more often than not you need another confirmation from somebody and that step seems to get lost now in the urge to be well, first at all costs. That wouldn't frustrate me as much as flipping on Twitter and somebody else has already just run with the story that they don't have confirmation on. And either either your your story's right, but you didn't get it out there first because you were trying to do it the right way, or your story's wrong and you have nothing. That would I don't know how you do that, honestly, Craig. <laughs> that would drive me crazy. It's 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 the same thing to me of if you were a player and you were playing hurt. And you couldn't say you were playing hurt, and people sat there and questioned why you were so bad. And you know it's you're bad because you have like a leg fracture or something. Maybe that's a little extreme, but mm-hmm. something like that would drive me insane. Ruins. That's yeah, true. Injuries, Punctured lung. Yeah, injuries are a tough one. Yeah, that, that's a tough one to handle. Like, like Phil Kessel, he's had a groin injury recently, yeah. and it's affected his skating. And I, I did finally put it out there, yeah. but it's you know people were criticizing him, wondering what was going on with him. Well, well, a guy who relies on skating yeah. who has a groin injury, it's that's a tough one. Or guys tough are dealing do. with personal problems or you know that they don't want out there publicly right away. Yeah. And it's it's I mean, Which, those things happen. You understand why you don't want it out there, but as a player it would be frustrating. This is why these guys don't listen to the media anymore. It would be frustrating to hear people criticizing your game having no idea that there's something wrong and you have a broken foot. Right. And just I just I, w- I would just ask people to keep that in mind. You don't always know everything that's going on in a player's life. Like take Alex Goligoski last season, who knew he was going through the sort of psychological issues he was having last season. That was that was a revelation to me uh, when he talked to me before training camp. I had no idea. Nobody had ever talked about it. I had never heard it. But, wow, you know, that, that stuff matters. And look how good he's been this year. Yeah, he's too. been really good this year. That's sort of the, uh, the the follow-up to the story. And we've talked about this a lot where sometimes in sports it's really difficult to 
these players get dehum- dehumanified sometimes. Like we we think about them Wait, as what ro- was that word? dehumanified. What was your uh, earlier one that was going <laughs> to be the name of the show? Dehumanified. So try to win. But, spelling it. Yeah. Okay, now now I realize Jamie's just making up words somewhere. Is there hyphen? Well, we, I, we, I thought we, before Jamie knew stuff I didn't know. Now I realize he's just concocting it, words. Out uh, of but thin especially air. like with, with with the popularity of fantasy sports and all the other stuff, it is very easy to look at players as robots or look at players as if they are video game players and not understand that. There are lots of life things that affect them. We hear this all the time. Of why did this player want to go play for this bad team? Well, maybe they want to live in that city. Maybe, right. you know what? Hey, you know what? Maybe Jacob. Trubo, I guess he doesn't care about winning. Yeah, but but, but you saw what happened. <laughs> why with, isn't he playing for the Maple Leafs? We just won in '67. But you saw what happened with the Jacob Truba stuff in Winnipeg versus New York. Well, my I don't know if it was his wife or fiance or girlfriend, but. She she wants to have her career is going to be benefited significantly by us moving to New York. So Bingo. that's where I want to play. And it's not like the Rangers are a terrible team, you know. Or it happened in football. Like why does AJ Green want to resign in Cincinnati? Well, even, maybe because he li- maybe he likes living there. Even if the Rangers they were a, a wonderful team, team or, or an awful team, he made a sacrifice for his wife. Yeah, or but sports fans don't want to hear that. Either, but, yeah, wife, but, girlfriend, wow, fiance, imagine something. Imagine doing that. No. Yeah, sports fans. But it's fifty percent of sports fans don't want to yeah, hear that. that. And that's half of it. But then again, back to the confirmation yeah. thing too. The relocation stuff with Quebec and Winnipeg, yeah. I was told by two very good sources that Canada was never on the table for relocation for the Coyotes. Literally never an option. There were options. That was not an option. And yet we had Winnipeg writers following the team around. You remember during the playoffs? No, yeah. <laughs> Showing up at Glendale City Council meetings. Crazy. <laughs> for like five years. Yes. Hearing stuff that you knew wasn't true, but the second you get somebody with a newspaper attached to their name saying it, you're like, okay, wait a minute, is it true? That's why it, it's tough these days. But that's why whether it's sports or news or whatever it is, you need to find a, a, a cache of people that you trust in that industry and follow them and stick with them. Which, by the way, not to sound like Craig here and, and take your thing, Craig, but that's the most irresponsible journalism. Because think about Coyotes fans. You can't put the blame on the Coyotes fans who are wondering if they get to keep their team and they're seeing random reports every other day that the team is definitely moving to Winnipeg when there's zero truth to it. There was never any truth to it, but somebody just floats a story out there and gets somebody to run with it. To be honest, it's on a lesser scale, I get it. It's, on a, it's farther along the continuum toward not as big a deal, but that's why I don't like mock drafts or speculating on who might be a good fit in a trade. I, I just find it to be irresponsible journalism because, by and large, I'm probably going to be wrong. But at least I, I'm not people privy know. to so many of the conversations, right? That, like yeah. John, how many people does John Chica talk to around the league about players they might be looking at? Who are their pro scouts looking at? And I'm just going to throw out a handful of names, and suddenly the people who follow me think, "Oh my That's god, news. we should be focusing on these three guys." Yeah. It becomes news because it's I, just irresponsible. I, I, Why do it? Yeah, and, and that's a tough part now where there, there's, there isn't this – and a lot of it was done intentionally, unfortunately, but there isn't this line of delineation between news and speculation. It, and it's in, it's in politics, it's in sports, it's in TV, it's in print, it's online, it's everywhere. It's that they don't. There's very clearly a very blurred line that intentionally that was blurred for financial reasons that there's, there, there's nothing different between saying this is a news story and this is a speculation analysis yeah. story. And to be fair, a lot of people don't want there to be a clear explanation in those speculation analysis story that it isn't news. I don't, I don't know. I, I think we could do something simple in journalism where we had simple labels at the top of a story yes. that said analysis or speculation, even if yes. we want to do that. Cause, yeah, because at least with a mock draft, I feel like people reading it know this is not hard fact. But right. when somebody's saying, hey, the Coyotes are moving to Winnipeg, you're looking at it thinking – Wait, is this hard fact? Why would they, I mean they, they're claiming they have a source, even though it's somebody in Winnipeg that wants the team to move to Winnipeg? So you're right. If you could, because I don't think it's ever going to go 
back to just yeah, it's not getting better. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not going to get better. It's gonna, yeah, exactly. It's only going to get worse. I'm sorry, yeah. Craig. You know, what I'd love to see with mock drafts. If we're going to do mock drafts, don't don't do team by team and tell me who each team is going to pick because what's your percentage? <laughs> Five of correct answers. Oh, not even. I think <laughs> it's, way that's, it's way lower just, than that. That's, that's bad journalism. Yeah. It's just bad journalism. You know what you should do? Divide them into groups. Here are the guys that have potential to go top ten. Yeah. And here's here are the teams that these guys might fit with in the top ten. Then break them into the next group. I'd love to see something like yeah. that done instead of team by team. Or, or even like certain fits. Like, okay, if your team, you yeah. say, okay, teams that need scoring wingers. Here are five players that are projected to be the best scoring wingers and about them. And uh, it, But... It, it's tough. I get it. as some look when I was running FanRag Sports, the number one story without fail were mock drafts. Mm-hmm. Number one consistently every single time we put it out. That is why you see them so much. But could you have done a different style and then set yourself apart in the marketplace by doing a different type of mock draft? We I probably could. could we probably what, look, we definitely. What is the could athletic have. doing in the journalism industry right now? What are we doing to separate ourselves? I don't. Again, this is the John Chaykin line, right? But you don't. You don't end up first by following the herd. Yep. Do something new that's creative and good. Um, Absolutely. See what you get, Dangle Snipe Belly. For <laughs> you got to get that. Was, yeah, that way was into the weeds on that answer. one. Yeah. We sure um, did. Dustin, what's your favorite restaurant in the Phoenix metro area? Ooh. Wow. I, see, I can't, I can't do favorite restaurant. I can only do types of cuisine. Okay. So, Craig's being a real problem child today. Yes, every, every answer. There's nuance in life. Well, I mean, it, it depends on what type. Life, man. Why does it always have to be? It, who's if, winning? If you're looking That's for... That's because it's 2019. So if you're looking for like a really fancy, I'm going to go spend a significant amount of money dinner. Okay. Uh, I really like uh, Master's Ocean Club. Okay. Uh, it's a good spot, that's actually. a really great place. I Bear love, in mind, Jamie only eats out of vending machines, as I established earlier. So he's just saying what he's heard from yes, people. Uh, I love their steaks. Okay, um, Mora, Mora Italian on Seventh Street. Mora. I almost that. went there it's last fantastic. week and I didn't go. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, okay, let's talk other types of cuisine. Okay, my favorite Chinese restaurant is a hole in the wall called Cho's Kitchen in Chandler. Did we, did we go there? The you took me to my birthday yeah, way back yeah, when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. Yeah, I love that place. That was that was good. Jamie was, ordered something our, I'd never th- seen. That was when we did our live. No, I literally ordered something that had a flavor I'd never had yeah. before. And if you've never experienced that, it was the weirdest thing of yeah. being an adult well, I, and tasting a flavor you have never tasted. I was going to say, life. I think most people have experienced having a, a new flavor for the first time, like when they were born and started eating. But carry <laughs> thanks, on. Thanks, Luke. Uh, let's go. But that was when we did our live show. We should do a live show again. We point. should. It, How, wasn't, t- it wasn't chips or a candy bar. Is, yeah. is that yeah. what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not Doritos or Snickers. What's the best Mexican restaurant in the valley. No, there's a tough question. Carolinas is good. Carolinas is pretty good. It's not in the valley, but I'm gonna. I, I've, I've dragged on them so much, so I'll, I'll give. I'll throw a bone to Tucson here. Uh, uh, Gua- yeah. Guadalajara Grill. Oh, I've never. Okay, I haven't eaten there. Excellent. They make I go to El Charo. Because El Charo. El Charo's good. excellent El too. Yeah. yeah, El Charo's excellent too. Also, I love that they they make your own custom salsa at the table for Italian amazing. food. Amazing. Defalco's Deli. Yeah, I have well, very yeah, hot. Yeah. I like Defalco's. You need to go there. Um, all right, we've Olive got Guard. a lot more. <laughs> No. Um, you said Olive Garden. No, I have You're a, not allowed to play no. anymore. Coyote also, and any Philly. any place with dim sum. What's, Legit dim sum. Like, they bring that. I wish that they don't have it anymore. The, the, they had it at the Chinese Cultural Center. On Golden Dragons. Dragons. Golden Dragons. That place was awesome. I love that place. The and dim they shut down. was amazing. I, I was so bummed when it It was closed. so good. Yeah. I mean, there's some good places out in Chandler. There's like the Dim Sum Cafe. I think it's in Gilbert. I think our levels just spiked again. Uh, Can you guys but, yeah. get together over here? Yeah. We've got uh, a lot more That questions. place was so... You're the one that answered them all. Yeah. It was so good. Because if we Dragon? don't answer them all, you guys are going to turn on me and say Luke doesn't like your question. Was it Golden Dragon or an hour and a half? Golden oh, you Buddha. Should, you should one of the two. Think about how how much Luke liked your question by the order he's asking this. No, I'm asking them in the order they were sent. Don't uh, even start on dim sum. I can go the rest of the show on this. Booper. I'm assuming Booper. at this point with a healthy okay, forward Booper. group. 
Uh, Hayton will be spending a lot of time in the press box. That said, what forwards take a night off to get him on the ice? Is it going to be giving vets a night off situation or a regular like Fisher last season? Well, yes, some of that. Some of it will have to do with injuries. Some of it will have to do with players perhaps not playing well. All of that will be mixed into the stew. Tonight, for instance, he could be playing for Michael Grabner, who's banged up. Haven't seen him much lately, though. So Five straight games. Yeah. They probably feel like they need to, to get him back in there, too. Yeah. But uh, again, <laughs> again on the Hayton plan, I know there are a lot of critics out there. And I'm not saying what the Coyotes are going doing is, is going to be the correct move. I'm not saying he, this is the right plan. But again, they have more information well, what than any the, of the critics out there. What do there. the critics want them to do? They want them to play him all the time or send him back to Sault Ste. Marie S- in, in some back, cases. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a waste. Sault Marie is a waste. It's a complete waste to yeah. send him back to the OHL at this point. Get him into beyond that. How about the rules so that. we can develop the players instead yes, of benefiting we need the, the OHL? the exception. Absolutely. Get him into 40 games this year. It'll be fine. Nah, he's going to get 40. I mean, But like 30? 30 and he gets to practice. Somebody's going to get hurt eventually. you loan him to Team Canada? I don't think you do because I think they need him around. Yeah, that's the thing. There's not – there isn't – if somebody gets hurt, like if he w- if he was on Team Canada right now and Grabner misses tonight's game, who are you putting in as a forward that you're yeah, comfortable call with? Someone up, yeah, yeah. Um, Los Coyotes Steve has Nick Schmaltz emerged as a star forward with the Coyotes, or was his performance against the Kings just a sign of a team playing with a roster better suited for another era? Both. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's emerged quite yet. It's a little early to say that, but not as a star. But sure I think he's shown legit. a lot of flashes yeah. of elite playmaking ability that I haven't seen around here in a while. It's funny too. I talked to him after the game, and I didn't even bring up the first couple games of the season. And, and he just he brought it up and said the first. I think he said the first two games. That's what it looked like, at least from the outside. The first two games, he like he couldn't get his timing right, and then it just clicked. Yeah. So. And it has. I mean, if you take those first, if you watch him in the first two games, he looked like either a guy that hadn't played before, or a guy that was playing adult league in a league he shouldn't like at a level he shouldn't be in, or a guy that was coming back from the injury he was coming yeah. back from. And every game since, he's been maybe their best Just player. Just about like when they put him with Kessel for a little while, that wasn't so great actually. Yeah, but him with Garland, yeah, yeah. he needs to play with Garland. Pretty much anybody can play with Garland right now and have success, though. Um, that's true. <laughs> Murdoch writes in, insert several questions about the Babcock firing. Oh, we did that. We Perfect. Did. Coyote and Philly, what's the difference between stuffing and dressing? Well, stuffing is something you stuff inside the bird. Dressing you can make outside. Yeah, internal, external. So, there you go. Um, Desert Doggies 96. Overtime format. Five minutes of three-on-three. Three, OT winner gets two points. OT loser gets zero points. After overtime, a tie is declared and each team gets one point. So I've, I've discussed this. They they need to go to ten minutes of three yes. on three. I, I can I like imagine the percentage of games that will go beyond that. I think is extremely low. Uh, they're never going to ties. North American sports fans hate ties. Period. End of story. And it's just they're never going to go back to that. But I don't like that some games are worth more than other games. I understand that. But um, <laughs> North American North American North American sports fans hate it when everybody gets something. Yes. Socialism. Yes, really, I don't want you to so, be deprived. Get your socialism out of my sports, Someone Craig. Someone should be deprived. Uh, here's one more from Booper. I think this is the one Jamie liked. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want my team's goals redistributed to other teams. <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that up. Personal question for the group: Do you all ever act like us fans and get excited about being around some of the world's top athletes, or is it just part of the job? It's just part of the job. Yeah. To be honest, at this point, is there? Has there ever been an athlete at any point in your career where you're like, wow, that's so-and-so? Yes. Jordan? 
Is it Jordan? No, it wasn't Jordan, oddly enough. But oh, I was covering him in the Justin fall. Justin Hodgman? League. I was covering him in the fall <laughs> league, so it was kind of hard to you know, say, wow, oh. we're on Michael Jordan. We just <laughs> swung and missed at a curveball by oh, an entire foot. That sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell uh, you, the two guys that I got to meet, Muhammad Ali, who was my all-time favorite sports figure. Yeah. Got to meet him at a party once that or- was organized by one of my marketing friends. And yeah, I was in awe. I was in absolute awe of him. And then Sugar Ray Leonard, I did an interview with him at the top of what, whatever it's called now, the dial tower, the VED tower, literally on the top floor of that I did an interview with Sugar Ray Leonard and he was awesome. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, he grabbed the phone and said, because I told him my mother was a huge fan and he's like, I'm going to leave a voice message for your mom. And That's he did. Cool. He called my mom and left a voicemail and she still has it. Well, that's awesome. That's pretty awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I don't think there's ever one that I've been like super starstruck by. I think it's been more surprised sometimes when you see like, elite players for the first time and like they act just like everything's normal while you're interviewing. Like I, I was interviewing, I've, I think Joe Smith when he was with the Angels and like Mike Trout just in the background of me interviewing, just like flicking him in the back of the ear and like flicking me in the back, like just playing around like any of the guys would in the locker room. That was, was pretty Celine cool. Dion playing. Yeah, for Celine Dion in okay. the background. But I think I think guys like that. I, I find that that way more often than not. Athletes are really just, especially when you, especially in the right setting, and if you're respectful, they're extremely nice. Yeah, and, it depends on the athlete. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've only had one athlete be legitimately mean to me. Josh Wait. Hamilton, I'll name, I don't care. Okay, I was gonna say, I, I, Josh, Josh for a Hamilton. second, I was like, who's gonna? Are Josh Hamilton. I was like, one. wait, it's Jamie. Jamie would definitely throw whoever um, is under the bus. And uh, but. Otherwise, I mean, it, it's so interesting when you know the, they all get, they all understand for the most part. I mean, a lot of times you see on on TV you the clips of guys right after the game, and you're like, oh, they seem well. When you talk to them later, and you don't have a camera in their face in particular, which helps. Not having the TV cameras, yeah, helps. I will tell you this yes. by a million. They will say a lot of different things when the camera's not on. Amen One of the that. first jobs I ever had. Was so would anybody. It's human nature. Yeah, but talking to Shaq when when there were nights when like. National media was there, and he would just answer very just boring. And then there were nights when the Suns were playing the Timberwolves on a Tuesday, and there were only be four of us in the room. And Shaq is hilarious when the camera. I mean, he's hilarious too, but he he's, is. he's he's more hilarious. I uh, told you the Mike Bresnahan story, right? No, he was the Lakers beat writer for the LA Times. They huh. won a championship. I don't even remember which championship it was, and they were celebrating in the locker room, and Shaq was buck naked. That's- saw Brez, grabbed him in a bear hug, and let, literally lifted him off the ground and was shaking him around, like dancing with him. And Brez said, I just, I just had to go with it. There's nothing I could do to no, get away no, from Shaq. You're not going to tell Shaq yeah. no. Naked athletes are a thing sometimes. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, I was covering spring training. We, they opened up the doors, and in the, the center of the locker room, playing ping pong with not a stitch of clothing on, was Yasiel Puig. <laughs> was playing ping pong with, I believe, Clayton Kershaw. Who was clothed? Uh, this is and why were, the Dodgers have never won the World Series. <laughs> it, it was 80s. a very. It's uh, but for the most part, like if if you're respectful and you ask decent questions, and they don't think you're out to to get them or you or you're uninformed. That's to me when I've seen when I've gone out was with, with like with interns and whatnot. It seems to be the questions that they don't like the most. You get the most negative reaction, or if they think you're uninformed. If you ask them things like "What's your," not how to spell their name, if they're like "What's your name?" "Where were you born?" Like the stuff you could Google in three seconds. What's your favorite color? Yeah, <laughs> that stuff annoys them. I talk think, about talk. Yeah, we'll talk about. Yeah, can you well, talk about your career. That's well, not Greg, limited interest. Greg Popovich is doing his his best to kind of eliminate those talk about questions for forever. Um, I'm trying to think. Any? I think, athletes- he asked, I think he asked a reporter the other night. Is that a demand? <laughs> and any the only two athletes I can think of that really threw me off, like when you saw them, you're like, wow, that's that, that's like a presence I didn't expect. Were John Beliveau at the first NHL award show I ever covered, just because he walked into the room and everybody shut up, and he wasn't even saying anything. 
And uh, Alex Ovechkin, just because he got on the elevator once at Gila River Arena and went the wrong way. And it was just me and him on the elevator. And I was like, are you really going to the press box? <laughs> but uh, I can't, I don't know, like, if there's, I guess if you if I met Michael Jordan, that that might be the yeah, one where I'd be like, well, this is kind of random. Yeah, but, there would be you know, certain guys is, from, guys that I, I met in my childhood, I think. They're like. Yeah, Lemieux like, might. Yeah, that those guys, I think, would, would throw me off more than anybody I, I've liked. Yeah, that's involved. probably fair. I never met Walter Payton. I probably would be. Yeah. In awe of him, but anybody current, there's not anybody in the league where I'd be like, "Oh wow, this person." Because I just we've talked to most of them. To it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you're like almost you almost work with them, even though you don't do the same job. Who was the favorite? You, maybe your favorite person you ever interviewed? Oh man, to me the most one of the most entertaining, and, and you and I both had a chance to do it at the NHL Awards is Brent Burns. Yeah, Brent he's Burns really talks an ex- and like talks. he really gets it. He has a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, he's happy to be there, and it just says some crazy stuff, and it's re- it's really interesting. So a lot of nice guys, but I mean, but the, the, his is the case of like being generous and saying yeah. really funny, interesting things. That, that's a tough question. We should revisit that yeah. later. Yeah. Next I week agree. we won't do it. Yeah. yeah I'll write exactly. it down with this pen that doesn't work. <laughs> oh, good. There it is. Um, let's see. Okay. Let me just... <laughs> Cam, what are your thoughts on eggnog? Hate it. Hate it. That's all right. Um, Trash. Lisa. Who do you feel the Coyotes made a mistake by trading at some point? Domi and Yandel come to mind for me. Um, you got to yeah, remember Domi turned into Kessel. Well, yeah, and, and I, I you also it. have to understand the time when, when that Yandel trade was made. When you were getting Duclair and a first round pick, and like I, I it it was iffy, but you got a good return. At least you thought at the time. You thought you got a good return. You thought you got a good return at the time. Yeah. The team was Eesh. in a different place. Like, yes, I wish you. Eesh. I mean, imagine Keith Yandel on on the second pairing. That on this day, team right that's now. the longest I ever sat around the arena waiting for that trade yeah. deadline because we could tell something was up, but we didn't know what. And then you came out, and it was like Yandel for everybody on the Rangers, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we got a few. We they still made a lot, lot of more. trades with the Rangers. If you think uh, about it, for oh, two, yeah. not as many as they made with the Blackhawks. That's true. Well, but usually, like you think about like out of conference, think about the. Uh, the Korpakoski and Pruka deals from back, to, back yes. then. And- We're not talking about Peter Pruka an hour 30 into the show, Jamie. Uh, Ozzy writes in. His question's gotten long, but basically he is he's not a huge Babcock fan. And his last part of it is, can we finally say the fluke streak is over? I don't think Babcock was a, was a fluke. His point is that he coached a lot of very good players, which I agree, but so did Phil Jackson. Yeah. yeah I mean, and Joel Quenville. The, yeah, there, there's, there's a chicken in the egg there yeah. of who's who's responsible for who, but... Look, it, it, this move was inevitable. He wasn't going to make it long term there. I don't think there's any coaches that are going to make it long term there unless they actually start to win multiple cups. But uh, Mike, is there a reason Craig Morgan bails whenever I ask a question? Sorry, who asked that question? Yeah. All right, we should probably go. Don't you think? I'll pass yeah, on that right, one. Let's wrap that up. All right, for Jamie Eisner, Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. You sure, you don't want to talk about Peter Pruka? No.